The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Well, here we are again, the Grace Evangelical Society and this radio program, Grace in Focus. So glad you've joined us again as today we get back to our question and answer format. And today's question is an interesting one. In some churches, they call Christians followers of Jesus. And in other churches, they might call them believers in Jesus. Believers and followers, are they synonyms? And does Romans 11.35 contradict the doctrine of eternal rewards? And those are a couple of things that just ahead we will be looking at as Ken Yates and Bob Wilkin will be handling the discussion today. I hope you stay tuned. Our website is faithalone.org, and there's lots of great reasons to go there, one of which is our national conference coming up this May, May 2023, and the dates are the 22nd through the 25th. If you've never attended before, we really want you to come. In fact, for you, there's no registration fee. Here's something that Ken Yates said about some of the past Grace Evangelical Society conferences that he has attended. I've been going to the conferences since, I think, 1990. I've missed a few when I was in the military. I was overseas and wasn't able to come. But there's never been a time when I went to one of these conferences where I didn't learn something, where I got insight to passages of scriptures that I didn't have before. It's just outstanding. You're not going to get any better teaching anywhere in the States. And I'm not saying that because I'm biased. All right, this year, our theme is Vital Free Grace Issues. So get on our website, find out more about it, and register. Faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. Now for today's discussion, here are the gentlemen. All right, well, here we are, and I've got a question from someone named Dave. And Dave has basically three things that concern him. He moved from one state to another, and he started attending a new church. And he said one of the things he finds is this. The popular descriptor nowadays is follower of Jesus rather than believer in Jesus. Right? Haven't you heard this, Ken? Oh, sure. And he goes on to say the pastors at our new church state that if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you should participate in the communion service. But if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you should just sit quietly or talk with someone. Well, I've heard this a lot, and it bothers me. What do you think about this talking about following Jesus instead of believing in Jesus as far as who's born again? Yeah, I'm assuming that's what he means, and that's awful confusing. I have heard a follower of Jesus being basically synonymous with a believer in Jesus. I never heard it said specifically in that context. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you can take communion. But what they're saying is, if you're a believer, take communion. I think it's a terrible word to use to make following Jesus equivalent to believing in Jesus. Okay, let's let's say why. Following Jesus is a good idea. The idea of following Christ is all through Christ's teachings, and it's all through the epistles. So what's so wrong with making that the designation of who's born again? Well, off the bat, I'm very confused when you say following Jesus. When I hear someone say that, I don't know exactly what they mean. Right. To me, a follower of Jesus is a disciple, someone who's following in his footsteps. Right. That involves work. That involves a decision to follow him. Okay, Uh, now, in the first century, they literally followed him. Right. I mean, they walked with him. They listened to him. They ate with him. They talked with him. So to be a follower of Jesus 
is leave your family, follow me. That's what Matthew did. He comes up to Matthew. Matthew leaves his tax collection business and just follows Jesus, Peter and John, and their brothers. They all leave their uh, fishing, fishing business. business. But, and this is important, not all believers, even in the first century, followed him. And not all followers were believers. Absolutely. John chapter 6, six. verse 64. Exactly. He had people who didn't believe in him who had been following. Of course, Judas, one of the 12, wasn't a believer. And you have John two twenty-three through 25, where there were many who believed in him, but Jesus was not entrusting himself to them. That's right. Because they were not willing to, this is not in the text, but but it's the point, they were not willing to follow him. That's a good point. Now, let me ask you this. Are there people today who are believers, but who aren't following Christ? Yes, absolutely. There's lots of people who are believers or who have believed in Jesus for eternal life. Take somebody who is 10 years old and believes at an Awana meeting. Right. They believe they may be 30, 35 years old now, and they're not following him. Right. And so, yeah, there's all kinds of... But they're still born again. Absolutely. That's the problem with equating following with believing, which is what... What Dave was asking. Okay, now how about the other part of it? Are there unbelievers today who are following Jesus? I think so, absolutely. There's people who have never believed in Jesus for eternal life. They believe that they have to do good works in order to make it into the kingdom, however they define that, going to heaven or whatever. And they study his teachings. They want to be like him. They say, okay, Jesus was merciful. He forgave people. I'm going to forgive people when they do wrong. We would say that is a follower of Jesus, but they've never believed in him for eternal life. Okay, now here's another question. Let's say a person is a follower of Jesus. They're coming to Sunday school. They're coming to church, but they're not yet born again. Can it be a good thing for an unbeliever to follow Jesus? Yes, absolutely. It could be a person who is seeking. They start off with a misunderstanding that, okay, this is what I need to do if I want to please God, even though they're not born again. And so they start following him and the Lord can, or the spirit can certainly use that to bring them to faith. Okay. Very good. I agree. So we don't want to discourage people. If someone says, Hey, I'd love to come to your Sunday school class. I don't go, Oh no, wait a minute. Have you believed in Christ for everlasting life? Are you sure you're eternally secure? No, I go, okay. Well, he's got another part and he says, basically he thinks a lot of younger adults really like this idea of being a follower of Jesus, especially since the church he's in now talks about how when we follow Jesus, then we're bringing God's peace and justice into our cities. And they like the idea of transforming our world. But it seems to me that's getting it wrong. We're looking forward to a new world, right? That's interesting. I guess that a a young person may have an idealistic thing saying, we're going to change this present world by our godly living. Right. And so that could certainly be appealing. Again, it shows the confusion of that. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You know, if you ask a lot of people in my generation, I think they would say, well, a follower of Jesus is somebody who studies the Bible, who goes to church, who gives, who tries to live a godly life. Whereas if you ask a younger person, it's somebody who's working for racial equality or something. (laughs) You know, what does that mean? Here's his his final point. He says what disturbs him and his wife is that there's a de-emphasis on justification or eternal salvation, salvation from eternal condemnation, and instead there's an overemphasis 
on this idea of bringing heaven to earth. Instead of an emphasis on Jesus is guaranteed our forever, it's Jesus is going to transform our now. And what he's saying, in my opinion, at least an initial justification or eternal life, that is an emphasis on works versus grace. If I'm going to transform this society, I better get to work. One of the issues in lots of churches is numbers. More and more people and more and more money so that we can have more and more impact. All that's well and good, but if your doctrine is wrong, then all the people and all the money is worthless. You've got to be accurately dividing the word of truth. Otherwise, what you're proclaiming is a false gospel. You're proclaiming some kind of prosperity theology message almost, right? Yeah. If you're going to judge success by how many numbers you have, that's not the way to go. And I think he's right to be bothered by this. I think it's a very legitimate concern. Well, great question, Dave. And I've got one here from Val. Does Romans... 1135 suggest that there can be no rewards or merit. In other words, does Romans 1135 contradict the doctrine of eternal rewards? Why don't you read that for us and then we can bat this around. In Romans 1135, Paul writes, Or who has first given to him, talking about the Lord, and it shall be repaid to him. I think the first place to start here in this context, he's talking about the nation of Israel's salvation at the end, that Gentiles have been grafted in, but the day is going to come when all of Israel is going to be saved. Right. Romans eleven twenty six. So first of all, the context is not talking about rewards for the individual believer. It's talking about how has God dealt with the nation of Israel? Is God going to fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel? He's talking here, Paul is, about the wisdom of God. Who could have foreseen this? Hmm. Who could have foreseen that the church was going to come into being and Gentiles and, and Jewish believers were going to be the body of Christ? In fact, in verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You know, obviously the church was a mystery in the Old Testament, but all Israel is going to be saved. And and who could have pictured all of this? And the salvation of Israel is not merely that these people are going to be born again. This is the national salvation of Israel, meaning that the entire nation will be delivered from Gentile domination. As the Gentile nations will surround Jerusalem and are about to destroy it, Jesus will save them. When John the Baptist in the Gospels comes to the nation, that's what he's offering them, a national deliverance. Right. If they would have turned from their sins as a nation and believed in Jesus as the Christ, but they didn't. But this future generation will. So when we look at verse 35, we need to first of all say, is this talking about rewards? And the other thing I think we can say is, who has first given to him? That's backwards. He first gives to us. He gives us physical life. Then when we believe in him, he gives us everlasting life. And then when we follow him, he rewards us. But the idea here is we don't like loan God money and then God's repaying us. No, instead, he gives us. Yeah, I I forgot who said it, but God did not have to reward us, right. but, but he has. He's, He's given chosen us that. to do that. He's given us that. Yeah, so Romans 11.35 doesn't contradict individual rewards. It doesn't even contradict rewards of Israel. 
It's just simply saying that God's the one who initiates, not us. And who could have figured it out? Yeah. Well, thanks, Ken. And thank you, uh, Val and Dave. And we appreciate your good questions. And remember, keep keep grace grace in focus. Zane Hodges' excellent commentary on Romans, entitled Romans Deliverance from Wrath, is available right now on our website, faithalone.org. Get half price through February 28, 2023, when you use the code word ROMANS. That's faithalone.org. Did you miss an episode of Grace in Focus that you really wanted to hear? Just come to faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We have all our past episodes right there on the site. In addition, we have all kinds of free resources available for you. It's all designed to help you mature and grow in your understanding of Scripture. So come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On this program, we keep our requests for financial partners to a minimum. But if you are interested in becoming a financial partner with Grace and Focus, you can find out how to do that at faithalone.org. Our team is really great about answering questions, comments, and feedback. If you've got some, we hope to hear from you. Let me give you our email address so you can do just that. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode of Grace and Focus, if you throw away or abandon your faith, are you still saved? Join us next time for Grace in Focus. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.